0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hello, friends. My name is Stephen Levesque, and this is my lovely wife, Ellie. And for the past three years, we've been coming to North Valley and serving on the guest services team. And from time to time, you'll actually see me on the drums with the worship arts team as well.
1: Today we're here to kick off week two of the I Family series. Pastor Ryan will be highlighting the importance of love and respect in a marriage. Stephen and I have been married for three and a half years and we are the proud dog owners of our puppy, Bella.
0: And like any marriage, we've had our ups and downs, but God is good and we are thankful for his blessings and we are excited to learn something new today. <laughs> Take it away, Pastor Ryan. All right, well good morning. Good to be with you guys. If you got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. We're going to be looking at uh, marriage and uh, this issue of love and respect. And I've been married almost now two decades, and I'm becoming an old man. So those of you that are older than me, you're just ancient, Okay. I'm joking. I, I, but my, I mean, my kids. I got 16 year old kids, and they call me old man all the time. And I mean, I hate it because they'll pinch little things on the side of me, and I'm like, "Would you stop? Don't do that." Uh, but uh, I'm learning a lot in, in each year, and. Um, I learn more about what it means to be a husband and a father, and I'm excited to be able to share this message with you today. Those of you that are single, this is a great vision, a foundation for you to understand um, biblical truths and principles that uh, could lead to a future spouse or, or in a marriage. For those of you that are divorced, you could look back and go, man, I see the components that we're missing. So you have a foundation and a structure in which you can work from to help counsel, encourage other people. For those of you that are married, this is an opportunity for you to say, I want to build my marriage a lot better and stronger. Last week, I talked about most of the time in life, where you are off course. I talked about the, the flight plan and gave that illustration. And I said, 90% of the time when that plane takes off, they are, have a flight plan and they're actually not on course. But all they do is they get back on track, and then they get to their destination. And so I want to encourage you in that spirit and mindset just to realize there's a lot of grace in this thing called marriage, and we're going to look at it today. And I'm learning as a husband, literally, that there's so much to learn about my wife continually, consistently, all the time. We sit on the front porch oftentimes in the morning, and we dialogue, and we talk, and I think I know her really well, and from from time to time, I'll say, well, what do you want to do this weekend? We got a date night coming up. Where do you want to go? And then she'll say to me, where do you want to go? And then I think to myself, this is like, can can be like Russian roulette, because I'm like, if I guess an area, she's like, might not like that area, and then we kind of find ourselves in like, I'm a guessing game, and then she says, I want you to just guess where I would love And then I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, uh, Mexican food. Let's go to Mexico. I don't like that spot. Oh, okay, great. Um, And so I'm like learning constantly. I heard this story the other day. I want to share it with you. A man was walking along California beach and stumbled across this lamp, an old lamp. He picked it up and he rubbed it and out popped a genie. The genie said, okay, you released me from the lamp, blah, blah, blah. This is the fourth time this month and it's getting a little old. So forget the three wishes idea. You only get one wish. The man sat down and he thought about it for a while and he said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm scared to fly and I get very seasick. Could you build me a bridge so that I, I could drive out to Hawaii and visit over there? And the genie laughed and said, are you, are you kidding me? That, that's impossible. Think of the logistics of how the support beams at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Give me a break. Think of how much concrete and how much steel that would be. No, 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 no. Make another wish. So the man said, oh, okay. Uh, I'll think of a really good one. Finally, he said, okay, I've been married and divorced a time or two. My wives have told me that I don't care and I'm incredibly insensitive, so here's what I want. I wish I could understand women. I want to know how they feel on the inside, and and I want to know when they're giving me the silent treatment, what they're actually thinking, and I want to know why they're crying. I want to know what they really want when they say nothing, and I want to... Know how to make them truly happy. The genie chimed in and said, "Did you want that bridge two lanes or four lanes?" <laughs> okay, so that's where we find ourselves trying to understand one another in this thing called relationships and marriage. Ephesians five twenty-two. Here's where we're going to start. Incredibly strong start. Watch this. The apostle Paul he's going to uh, charge a, a husband and a wife with a divine calling. Ephesians 5.22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the, help me out, the Lord. Nobody likes that word submit in our culture, and I get it because we think, oh my gosh, power play, uh, chauvinism, domineering, Bible is archaic. No, we have a very different understanding of the word submission in our culture to this culture. Jesus was a revolutionary, promoted women, the elevation of women. The Apostle Paul, Peter, and all those guys did too. The Roman culture was crazy. They regarded women as pieces of property. Same thing with children. And so um, the Apostle Paul is actually a revolutionary here, and we're going to talk about this submission idea. We're going to look at headship as well. But just notice that word, as to the Lord. If, If the Bible says... That this idea of submission, submitting to some, uh, somebody, specifically a wife to a husband, not just any woman to another man, notice that, uh, uh, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's got to be important. So that's all I'm asking for right now as we read this passage. Are you with me? As to the Lord. Okay, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. Today, I'm going to be doing a uh, uh, kind of a membership uh, lunch uh, for folks that are exploring what North Valley is all about. And I always say at the top of the org chart is Jesus. He's the head of the church. But notice what it said as well. It says, just as Jesus is the head of the church, so husbands are the head of the wife. And you wives are out there like, yeah, he may be the head, but I'm the neck. I turn that head where I want. And I get it, okay, but but this is the language in the Bible, so we're just going to roll with it. Um, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. You're like, in everything? Everything conditioned on, he's being loving, that he's laying down his life. And so Paul's going to be like, wait a second, I don't want to give a power trip to the husbands here, Let me clarify, verse 25, husbands, you're going to have to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for who? Her. So husbands are called to this high calling of headship where they're laying down their lives, they're living sacrificially, they're loving, giving themselves up for their spouse and for a purpose. What's that purpose? To help her grow in happiness or maybe to grow in holiness? Watch this, verse 26. Verse 26 says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. You know, uh, when I did this uh, marriage ceremony, I always tell the couple, like, look, you think this is going to be incredibly happy days like the rest of your life. But let me, I got news for you. Like marriages, you got two kinds of marriages. You got uh, hard marriages and then you got bad marriages. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Marriage is hard work. If you want your marriage good, you got to put in some hard work. God calls us in marriage, some of us, to marriage, not for simply our happiness, but for our holiness. And the holiness calling, right? I mean, come on. When you get married, don't you realize how much you sin? Like you realize like, oh my gosh, my spouse keeps bringing this up. Or when you have kids, you realize how incredibly selfish you are. Those of you single, you're like, I'm not selfish. Yes, you are. You're very selfish. (laughs) Have a kid, and then you're going to find out, oh my goodness, I am so selfish. Get married. Then you find out you're even worse. But see, so what is the Christian message? That there's God's grace. That there's this unconditional covenant commitment, and it reflects the very nature of the gospel, and it reflects the mystery of Christ and his love for his church. So watch this. This is what the Apostle Paul is going to say. Men, you're going to lay down your lives. You're committing to help her, not in just happiness, but in holiness. And when there's holiness, there's happiness. There's no greater spot to be in life, right, when you're in line with your design. The happiest people on the planet are the people that are walking in the greatest level of holiness. I mean, why would not it not be that way? If he's creator, we're the created. It kind of works that way. And so here's what we see, verse 27 so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, In the same way a husband should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31, Therefore, and when there's a therefore, you ask what it's there for. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Foundational, crucial. One of the most important Bible verses in our generation is that one right there. Because marriage is attack, under attack in American culture. It's under attack in, on a global level. It's attack within the church. Um, The Apostle Paul refers to marriage between a husband and a wife, and he goes back to Genesis in the very beginning. Genesis is a historical record of how things came to be. It is not Hebrew poetry. It is a historical narrative. The Apostle Paul goes back to this foundational, crucial, foundational scripture proof text about what marriage is all about. What is it? It's one man, one woman, for one life, for the glory of God. That's what it is. And so at this church, we do tr- traditional Christian weddings between one man, one woman. And mark my words, we'll probably be under litigation at some point in time for discriminating. So bring it, that's what I say. We're a church, by golly. We got religious liberty. We're going to fight for sacred rights and institutions. We have a, a great responsibility as pastors and preachers. We hold to the authority of scripture. We ought to be doing Mary, bury, baptize, do it all right here. That's our right. That's our constitutional right. It's our religious liberty. It is also in the foundations of what the Apostle Paul is affirming. This is what marriage looks like. A man shall leave his father. That means he leaves, he creates his own name, his own family and mother, and they hold fast to one another, his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's consummation. Pulled the buddy aside right before he was about to go to the altar. I said, he said, hey, you got to sign my marriage certificate so this thing's legit. I said, well, you know what you got to do? You got to consummate the marriage tonight because that's the legit side of of marriage. And he goes, ain't no problem with that. I said, okay, good. Just making sure, you know. Oh, I knew full and well he was ready to go. So, Uh, verse 32, watch this. The Apostle Paul says, this mystery is, help me out, profound. What's the mystery? Mystery is how a marriage reflects the love of Jesus Christ. Marriage is the the greatest, powerful ministry. It's a mission. The way, when there's unconditional love and respect in a marriage, let me tell you something, friends, there's deposits of God's grace and goodness into the children, the family, the friends, because everybody's watching. And we all need a God who provides unconditional love. And we as a people need to be people that are in unconditional respect and reverence for our King Jesus. And that's what the marriage does. It amplifies that. Paul says, this is a mystery. And I'm saying it refers to Christ in the church. Your marriage shows how good God is, that he's a God of grace, that he's a God of covenant, that he's a faithful God, that he's a forgiving God, that he's a gracious God. That's our God. And how do people see that? Well, they actually actually see it the clearest when you live it out. If you're an unforgiving spouse, then you're not showing off this mystery of the gospel through your marriage. If you hold God's grace back, you're kind of short-sighting the goodness of God in what he wants to display. And there's practical ways in how to do this. And so verse 33 shows us how, however, Paul says, closing it down, let each one of you love his wife. He's charging the man, the husband. He's saying, let each one of you love his wife. He didn't say respect his wife, not that wives don't need respect, but Aretha Franklin, you know, that R-S-E-P-C-T, you know, I'm from Arkansas, I can barely spell, but you know, when she sang that song and she sang that song, everybody's like, oh yeah, women need respect. Well, it was during like a revolution of civil rights and women's rights, and I'm all for that. I think that's really good. But did you know who actually wrote that? I think it was Otis Redding. It was the man was singing it. He was singing it to his wife to say, I need respect. And then what happened in culture is we twist it and we confuse this whole thing. So my belief, fundamental belief is that most of you do not understand the incredible importance on how to play this thing out called the marriage that makes a powerful, influential marriage. That is what I marriage is going for. An influential marriage is unconditional love, unconditional respect, the man, the, the husband needs that respect. The wife needs this unconditional love. Paul doesn't say, however, let each one of you husbands respect his wife. Why? Because he naturally is a, he loves respect. So he's naturally going to do that. Um, not all the time, but he, he will do that. Uh, love for a man. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you heard this before? If you're married, I just don't feel like you love me. I'm like thinking, like, oh my gosh, I do love you, sweetie. What are you talking about? What does she mean by that? It means that I gotta learn how the Bible says I'll live with an understanding way to demonstrate that love. And then and let the wife see that she helped me out, respects her husband. So, what is an influential marriage? An influential marriage commits to provide unconditional love and respect. If something's not going right in your marriage right now, here's my guess: is, is that happening? He said it was a mystery, it's a powerful, and he echoes what uh, uh, the very beginning and the foundation of the idea of marriage, one relationship between one man, one woman. Uh, Jesus echoed the same proof text in Genesis, Paul reaffirms it and then says this is a powerful mystery, and, but, and then he closes it down with there's this unconditional love and respect thing that's got to happen in the marriage. Number two, what is biblical headship? Let me help you out. Biblical headship is this. For those of you uh, wives that are scared of this term, it's simply a divine calling for a husband to provide unconditional love for his wife. Um, it's a heavy calling. It's a hard calling. Uh, what that looks like for me is like, if Leslie says I'm being unloving, I should, ta- I should take that seriously. Who's the judge that she, that she feels unloved? She is, not me. Well, I show you love, let me show you how I do it. Let me, I got a history book to show all the ways I love you. Yeah, but that's not how she feels love. So I got to figure out how to flex and, and do it better. But what about the wife? What is the wife's call? Biblical submission is a divine calling, remember, as to the Lord, for a wife to provide unconditional respect for her husband. Unconditional respect. Now, wait a second. Some of you are like, I'm married to an addict, married to this guy. He's so, so unloving. Should I respect him? You have a respectful conversation to confront him in his sin. You can still be respectful in how you confront somebody in their dysfunction. And you can be incredibly disrespectful. And to me, you are disregarding the holy divine calling that God has placed on your life as a wife. And the same thing for the the husband. How can I be loving to her? She's cheated on me. She did this. She said this. How could I show her love? Well, you lovingly confront her in a loving way to share and to show that things are not working right. So that's the essence of this headship and respect. So three ways uh, for you husbands to love your wife. Number one, I just say pursue her. When you get married, oftentimes you're like, I mean, the guy said to me, uh, Chris was like, man, I've been waiting for this day. This is, man, whoo, I've been waiting for this day. This is it. And I told him right before we went to the altar right out there in the courtyard, I said, just so you know, Chris, this is the starting point. It's not the finish line. It's a starting point. As soon as you say, I do, you got to keep doing for the rest of your life. And that's the challenge. And so, men, I want to challenge you to pursue her. Why is that? Um, Genesis, the name Adam and Eve, Eve, her name means the life giver. And she loves life and wants to experience life. And when you pursue her emotionally and physically, and some of you say, Well, I do pursue her physically, and she rejects me. And then you feel incredibly disrespected. And then the cycle goes on and on and on. We call it the crazy cycle. A book called Love and Respect, check it out, a great book, but it's called The Crazy Cycle. So what do you do? You just can, you, you make a, a godly goal in, in calling, to fulfill a calling to provide unconditional love. Even when she does reject you, you lovingly confront, you lovingly have the conversation about it. And so men, you pursue her. You live with her in an understanding way, as the apostle Peter says. Number two, you provide for her needs. You mean, what do you mean by provide? I mean, provide financially. I mean, provide for her physically, provide for her spiritually. Financially, uh, men are challenged in Scripture that if they don't provide for their families, they're worse than an unbeliever. And you're like, wait, time out. My wife makes more money than I do. Some of you, I know that. And your wife's got more tools in the tool shed than you do. Uh, Some some of you are really incredibly brilliant and gifted, and God's just said, you're going to be able to do this. But here's, I think, the challenge for the husband To his wife, he says, Sweetie, I will lay down my life for you. I'll I'll crush it and put in 80 hours a week if that's what you want to do. If If we want to have kids, you have the freedom right now to know I will do anything and everything to make sure you have a great opportunity just to raise the kids and stay home. If the husband says, You know what? You make all the bank, I'm just going to kick it on the couch. You're going to have some kids. We'll just ship them off to daycare. I'm busy, baby, and you're crushing it. I got Halo games. I got video games. I'm in all sorts of competitions right now. I just want to do this thing. I'm proud of you. Go get it. That's, that's not good. Uh, husbands are challenged to provide financially. Husbands are, are challenged with that. And, and there needs to be a conversation between the husband and the wife with love and respect all up in the mix and say, I will go to work full-time, or maybe it's part-time now. But let me tell you something, men. Nobody can raise that little kiddo better than mom can. God wired her to do that. She carries that little baby for a long time. And then God's designed her body to nurture that little child. Nobody else is gifted like that. And so we have folks in the church where the wife makes more money and they've got this great agreement and and she's out there doing it and then he's doing something. But I would say busy, be busy doing something really good. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. You get in trouble. So you're challenged to provide for her, uh, but not only financially, physically. You carry, do the heavy lifting. You do things. Men are built generally, not all of you. Generally, I know one wife, she's like a ninja kickboxer and I think she could beat up any man in this room. And when she starts coming to this church, I'm going to see if y'all want to have a competition out in the courtyard. So anyway, but she, uh, men are challenged to physically, literally provide for their, their wives. And listen to me, a man is going to gain his strength not by sucking the life out of his wife. A man is going to gain his strength when he spends time with his king. A man is going to gain strength when he walks with other brothers in Christ that are strong. You provide for her. Your wife needs your strength. You need to provide husbands for your wife. Additionally, spiritually, this means that you provide for her. You give her opportunities to grow in her faith. You give her opportunities for her to get away so that she can connect with Jesus. You you say, hey, we're going to go to church. Hey, we we need to get involved in a marriage conference. Hey, we need to read this book. You do whatever it takes that she's going to grow spiritually. Number three, I challenge you, uh, husbands, you protect her you protect her. You lock the doors at night. Leslie, I remember one time she's like, did you lock all the doors? I'm like, I did, baby. I'm tired. Let me alone. She said, okay, just making sure. I'm a little nervous. You know, we're in a new house. I'm like, we're good. And she wakes up, gets up in the morning and she walks out and she's like, hey, we got to go. Where's the keys? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. She goes outside and she's like, they're in the door. <laughs> Seriously? Or imagine going camping and there's like a big growl and the husband's like, get out there, baby. What is it? <laughs> Come on. I got a friend of mine, he, uh, his wife is con- concealed carry and uh, the husband's not and he's, we've got a joke and he's like, if there's ever trouble, uh, her name is Dina, his name is Randy. And uh, he says, I'll just tell him, get him, Dina, get him. We're challenged as husbands to protect our wives physically, emotionally. Uh, I remember one time we were at a restaurant and I, it was a really bad experience. And this is a first world problem, not a third world problem. And I, we had a really bad experience. And my wife said, This is so frustrating to me. And I said, Yeah, yeah why don't you go to the car, baby? So I'm have a conversation with the manager and she goes, like, Oh my goodness, please don't embarrass me. I said, Why don't you go to the car? So I I pulled the manager aside. I said, look, I think you got a wonderful establishment. I love this place, but I am telling you, it's like pandemic right now. It's like COVID-19 stuff. And there was a lot of crazy stuff that was happening in the restaurant that were like, my wife said, she'll never come back. And I was like, I want to come back because I like this place, but I'm telling you. And I got in the car and Leslie said to me, that was the most loving thing you could ever do. I was so stressed out. I didn't want to have that conversation. What'd you tell him? And I was like, oh, I told them. She's like, good. Oh, Thank you for saving me from that embarrassment. So protect her physically, emotionally, however you can do it. All right, enough of me. Let's invite Leslie up. You guys give her a big round of applause. She's an awesome, awesome wife. Okay, we've been married almost two decades. Thank you, Pastor Joshua. Uh, we've been married almost two decades. Leslie, I'm going to sit closer to you this service. So, uh... <laughs> Because I want to make sure if I need to grab that microphone, I can take it from you. Now, she told me earlier, so good having you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And yeah, you never know what I'm going to say.
0: Well, I I have control over the sound booth. Right? We're together. Okay. All right. So let's just run this thing out. How how do we show respect in the relationship? We talked about this looking at scripture together. But number one, it seems like recognizing his role. I mean, God calls the man to be the head. So you want to be the Bible editor, you could scratch that out and put something else in there. I wouldn't do that. But the Bible clearly says repeatedly, consistently that the husband is the head of the wife. And again, some of you ladies are like, yes, but I am that neck. So why don't you roll into that? How do, you, how do we do that in our marriage? Yeah.
1: Well, anything that's emphasized and repeated in Scripture is important. And it is emphasized and repeated that wives are to be submissive to their husbands, um, so recognizing Ryan is the head of the family, the leader, um, I'm his helper, but we are totally equal in value, we just have different roles. So one of the ways that I'm able to best be Ryan's helper is when we're working together as a team. Um, when we're working together as a team, that's when I can really compliment him, and I'm not competing with him. Competition in marriage can be a trap, and it happens, especially when you have two different people trying to work together as one, and we are very different. I'm an introvert, Ryan's an extrovert. I do not like conflict. He's actually energized by conflict.
0: Just a little bit. (laughs) If it's got a good outcome.
1: I'm a red light parent, he's a green light parent. So as a red light parent, my go-to response is no. And I like a lot of rules, boundaries, structure. Ryan's a green light parent, so his go-to response is yes, and actually his motive is or his motto is yes as long as it's not sin.
0: Right, that's it.
1: So that's like two different parenting philosophies, right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to me, it's all about the relationship, and I don't. I mean, rules. I mean, rules are good, but not all rules.
1: Well, we need each other. We need, you know, each, we other. need each other. Yeah. And so, Mexico, for example, Ryan shared last week. <laughs> He went to Mexico with the church on a mission trip, yep. and they had a great trip. He took Sam and Riley. I stayed home with Maya.
0: 16 years old they are.
1: Yeah. Well, after the trip, they went to a resort, and Ryan decided to go on a meeting for three hours and leave our kids at a resort in Mexico. Yep. And
0: They had a babysitter.
1: Yeah, but little did he know, they were out riding the banana boat in the ocean.
0: I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's, but it's, it was fun. They told me they had a yeah. blast.
1: Well it's moments like that where I'm like, I am the better parent here.
0: Right. And that hurts me, you know, because like I'm like, you know, ask the kids what they think.
1: Right, Right.
0: She's like, they are not the judge. And I'm like, true that. True that. But
1: we are we are better together. We need each other. And honestly, when we're working as a team, that's when we're at our best. And I can really help Ryan. And so the goal for working together as a team is really communicating, listening to each other, and seeking to understand. And seeking to understand and listening are two different things. I can listen to Ryan, but still have my own thoughts, motives, and agenda in my mind. But if I'm really seeking to understand him, then I want to hear his heart on the issue and what he values and where he's coming from. And that's when we seek to understand each other, is when we can really get on the same page. We can work as a team. I'm complimenting him. And I'm showing him respect, ultimately.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, the the key to this is for the wife to say, I'm going to be unconditionally committed to show respect. So if she disagrees on the decisions that I was entrusted with down in Mexico, then respectfully confront me about the situation, rather than go off and say, you're such a crazy husband. You don't parent the children right. They could have been kidnapped by the cartel. Like, I mean, she could have said all that. But instead, she said it different, you know, like, okay, so what happened? You know, how did this work? And that diffuses the situation. It's a respectful confrontation and conversation rather than just flying off the handle. And I would say, again, I think the key is to recognize his role is, listen to me, it's the whole Jerry Maguire problem, you know, in that old movie is when Tom Cruise says, is you complete me. Like, no, you're complete in Jesus Christ. You don't need a spouse to be complete. That's what the Bible says. But we complement one another. And if you can grasp that, that literally in a husband-wife situation, I compliment her, she compliments me. It's like it's designed to work that way. And so you can respect and recognize the role when you're living in that complementary vision. Okay, so number two, let's go on and to regard his work. We've talked about this, but God put man in the garden. And the Bible says that when God created the first man, Adam, He put him in the garden to work. And this is why it's so important for a wife, I think, is to regard his work, to ask, how's your day going? What's going on at work? So why don't you jump in and how we do that?
1: Yeah, so men find a lot of identity in their work. It's one of their primary roles is to be a provider. When it comes to regarding his work, I think of the five love languages, love languages, It's a book by Gary Chapman. It's a great resource, and the languages are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and gifts. So Ryan's love language is words of affirmation. So anytime I can affirm him in his work, he feels respected. So I try to be specific and say things like, thank you for working hard for our family. Good job on your sermon today. I learned this, and I'll specifically tell him what I learned. And
0: then I say, what would you really think? She's like, it sucked.
1: Oh, no, that's not true. That's not no. true. And I'll tell him. you know, the kids and I were praying for you, and we do. Every Sunday, we pray for him. And if we go out on a date, I'll say, thank you for dinner. Yep. And I try to be specific.
0: That kind of, that's when you see the men puff out their chest. They're like, yeah, that was awesome. You know, we went out to Karumbas the other day. That was fun to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We saw some folks from the church. There. Yeah,
0: it was really cool. Walked yeah. in, and it was like a Karumba party, you know. It was awesome. <laughs>
1: So another way I show Ryan respect is by supporting his calling. So actually, being up here today, he asked me on Thursday to come do this.
0: I knew like what well, I knew it would soften the blow when I'm like if I'm I mean, imagine if I got up here I'm like, "Why this is how you respect your husband?" Like, but for Leslie when she says it, it works.
1: I was wrapping up my day Thursday afternoon. My mom and my sister were flying in, and he's like, "Hey, by the
0: way, boy, did I have to position that so carefully on how I did that?" I was like, sweetie, I've, I've really thought about this. This is what I think we could do. Here's all the prep. Here's what we could do. She was like, mm, I need to think about this for a few hours. I told Joshua, I'm like, Joshua, let's plan on it, but get ready. If it doesn't work, we're not going to do it. You know." So give us till five.
1: So when Ryan and I were dating, we met and were married in Little Rock, Arkansas. He told me when we were dating, we were close to engagement. And he said, if you marry me, I just want you to know, you got to be willing to move to Alaska, because I have no idea where the Lord is going to take me. And I was like, well, you know what? I really love you, and I will follow you. And I grew up in the military, so I can go anywhere. And then we got married, and a few years into marriage, he said, I feel the Lord calling me to church planting. I need to go to Dallas to go to seminary, and then we're going to move out to Phoenix. And I said, Ryan, I love you. I support you. I'll follow you. If the Lord's calling you, he's calling me, too.
0: I felt like a superhero. I could do it, you know, and she was with me doing that. I, I think of uh, pictures in my life where I remember a, uh, a husband wife were uh, in, the, um, in the neighborhood, and I remember seeing the different marriages, and this one couple in particular, this guy worked on his car late at night, and his wife would kind of come out there with an easy chair, prop it up. She'd smoke cigarettes and chew gum while he's working on the car. They literally didn't talk. But I remember thinking, like, they are close. Like, all she did was sit there, and the husband, I know he loved it. He was, he was like, totally jazzed by just having his, the presence of his wife, like, there. And I think there's something into the man's heart that's, like, it feels affirming that at least you know my day, or you know what's going on. And you value the work side of it. And it could be anything. It could just be, that's why like when I invite you out for dog training or hunting something, you're like, you know, I'm like, would you just come and just sit at the truck? She's like, but we won't talk. I'm like, ah, it'd be perfect. It'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, but we'll talk later, you know? And so from time to time she does that and it just, boom, I just feel alive when we do it. So thank you for doing that. Okay. So next one is um, respond to his needs. This is the the PG-13 that we're going to scale back to, like, PG-10, okay? Yeah. So, because some of you are like, uh-oh, no, but it's good. Um, your husbands are like, yeah, this would be really good, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about this, responding to his needs. Bible talks about this, um, the importance in just responding. And uh, so I'll just let you jump into this.
1: <laughs> okay. yes, yeah. so life can be busy and full. There's needs all around us, you know, you... Your husband has needs, your kids have needs, your extended family, you've got neighbors, friends, everybody has needs. And honestly, you can't meet everyone's needs. So your husband ought to be a priority, a top priority. And um, I think about my father-in-law who shared that there are two kinds of marriages. There's hard marriages and there's bad marriages And the hard marriages are the good marriages, because anything of value takes hard work. So work hard to be intentional and prioritize meeting the needs of your husband. Uh, Two areas to focus on, that's physical needs and practical needs. So physical needs, that's physical intimacy. I am the only person that can meet Ryan's needs for physical intimacy, pretty much anything in life we can outsource. If we need help with the kids, get a babysitter. You need help with the laundry, go to the dry cleaners. You need help with dinner, get takeout. You need help with cleaning, get a clean lady. But I am the only one that can meet Ryan's need for physical intimacy. And so I want to make that a priority. And rejection is disrespectful and it creates distance and hardship in marriage. And intimacy is a gift. It's designed to keep us close, to keep us stronger working together as a team. So Yeah,
0: I want to jump in on that. I think that, you know, like I said, that first point, pursue her, pursue her, pursue her, some of you don't want to pursue anymore because you feel like you've been rejected so many times. You pursue her emotionally, or you pursue her physically, or you pursue her in some regard, and she's just like, you know, it's like the guessing game with dinner. Hey, I want to take you out to dinner tonight. And then you ask your wife, well, where do you want to go? And she's, I don't know, you pick. And then you choose an option. And she's like, I don't like that. And then you're like, oh, how about this? I don't like that. And you're just like, forget it. You pick. And then you want to give up. But That's where this commitment is, a commitment to unconditional love. You love no matter what. So if you get rejected when your wife should be responding to your needs, you've already made a predetermined plan that you're going to show unconditional love no matter what. You lovingly have the conversation, hey, I really want to be closer to you, but you're rejecting me and... Then there's a response and an easier conversation in that, you know. Bible says, and and, and for those of you that kind of want some biblical support for this idea, um, 1 Corinthians chapter seven verse five. Take a look. Basically, the church in Corinth has gone wild. Um, they many of them lived crazy, licentious, uh, promiscuous lifestyles in marriage, out of marriage, with other people. Totally, church gone wild. They all come to faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of them do. Then they think, I got to leave my old ways. I cannot demonstrate intimacy. And even in the context of marriage, they thought that like there's a spiritual hierarchy, like uh, intimacy was only designed for procreation. Like the Bible doesn't support that idea. Uh, intimacy is also for pleasure and for joy. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Read the Song of Songs. I preached a whole series verse by verse through the whole Song of Songs. Uh, intimacy is the highlight in that book all about pleasure and joy. And so if there's a, the Bible says, oh, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, he says, do not deprive one another for any other reason other than maybe that you mutually agree to take a break for prayer or for some other reason, you know, and it could be a medical issue. It could be a certain emotional conflict that needs to be worked out, but this in a general sense, responding to needs. And that's been an awesome part of our marriage.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to intimacy, there's magic and there's maintenance. Magics, when the stars align, everything's great. Maintenance is just serving one another and meeting needs and keeping everyone happy. Booyah. Yeah. Okay, so...
0: <laughs> That'll work. That'll uh, preach. Okay, so tell about the practical needs, So Yeah, though.
1: practical needs. So serving Ryan and his practical needs, um, I was recently encouraged when I heard... Uh, Elder Steve and Priscilla, his wife, share about how their goal in marriage is to outserve one another. I just love that mindset because they work hard and they're intentional. And so, you know, I try to be intentional with Ryan and practical. And just when I'm making myself breakfast in the morning, I say, hey, can I make you something? When I'm making my lunch, I say, hey, can I make you something?
0: And she wants me to do that too. Just know so you know. Yeah. So if I'm making breakfast, even if she doesn't want it, she says, did you make me anything? And I'm like, I didn't think you wanted it. Well, did you ask? I'm like, no. She's like, mm. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so sorry, baby. I should have asked. Yeah, you should (laughs) have. But the Uh, practical need, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in. I'll let you go.
1: Uh, When he gives me compliments, I think it's important to respond and receive the compliment. There are times where he'll say, oh, you look so pretty. And I'm thinking, really? Right now, I don't think so. But but instead, I'll say thank you, and I just receive the compliment.
0: And then you say, "Is there a condition to that compliment?"
1: <laughs> yeah, what you want?
0: I'm like, "No, no, we're good."
1: So, um, last thing I just want to share in regards to uh, respecting Ryan's needs is when we got married, when I met Ryan, he and he, we were living in Arkansas. He was big hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman. He rock climb. He did all these outdoor sports. Well, when we went to Dallas for seminary, all of a sudden time is limited, we have kids, finances are limited, and he couldn't do all the hobbies and things that he loved. He sold his four by four, he sold some of his toys, and he really just buckled down for school. And then moving out here to seminary I mean to Phoenix to church plant, he there was no time for him to have hobbies. And so really he sacrificed his hobbies for fifteen years. And a few years ago, I said, Ryan, the church is established. The kids are older. You need a life outside of the church. You need was, some help. I was
0: a wake-up call. I was like, man, I do. You know, I really do.
1: So I helped him.
0: This I got is it. Him. This is it. But let's do a drum roll for a second. <laughs> Come on. Help me out.
1: This is my moment of glory.
0: <laughs> All right, I here
1: found go. him, his dog, and his truck.
0: Boom! <laughs> uh, he- it was awesome. Yeah, please clap for that. I was too... And it, it is literally like the best dog and the best truck. And I mean, I had four by fours, I had dogs, I did, I did it all. And then we literally, responsibility called, and I'm like reading Ephesians 5, sacrifice. And there literally, there was just no room. You know, there's no room. I had no room in my life for anything else but to build my marriage, to love my two kids at one time, twins, and to go to seminary and give everything I had just to survive, And so she recognized that and was like, time out. Like, it's time. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Yep. That'll be forever in history is my best investment into your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really showed me a lot of respect. It brought great life into my heart. So I appreciate it. Give Leslie a big round of applause, will you? All right. Well, hey, guys. I want to pray for us, and then we'll get going. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege, the opportunity, Lord, to hear about marriage. Father, there are some hearts that are here that are heavy, and they're saying, I don't, I don't have a great marriage. They seem like they have a great marriage. Lord Jesus, we know that we all stand before you in great need, and that we all sin every single day. We are, the I marriage is not simply just the influential marriage, it's the imperfect marriage. And Lord, we thank you that your grace is perfect, and your forgiveness is perfect, And your mercy is new every single day. And so, Father, right now, if our hearts are turned away in isolation and hurt, might they turn towards you and then back towards one another, specifically for those that are married. And, God, I just pray for this radical, holy allegiance for unconditional love and unconditional respect, for the glory of God and the good of each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, Give today at northvalleychurch.org.